Welcome to another Baseball America Hot Sheet Podcast. It's the bear and the parrot once again. I am the bear. He is the parrot. My human name is Josh. I'm in North Carolina. His human name is Jeff, and he is in the Northeast. How are you doing, human slash parrot? I'm doing good out here in, in Massachusetts. I feel like you forget what state that I live in. Every time we were, I'm trying to be mysterious and trying to not to keep you know the the fans at bay. No, that's okay. I I uh, I like yeah, getting I out there and going people. past your house as much. You've got kids, you know. That's 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 fair. That's fair. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not thinking this through. You know. I know. I mean, enrage some some prospects, etc. I have a security company on the side, and I know oh. that you are a a. a Desired target for uh, looky loos and uh, crazed fans. <laughs> <laughs> they all ask, Jeff, where's Jeff? Where's Jeff going to be? So I say the Northeast, but here you go out and you just immediately out yourself. First few minutes of the podcast. Everybody knows he's in Massachusetts. <laughs> Jeff is in Massachusetts. And uh, yep, he's not in the ballpark. Well, but this week we've, uh, we've well, I don't think either of us has left our state, I guess. Did you go? Did you leave Massachusetts for games this past week, Jeff? Uh, yeah, I did. I uh, I went up to New Hampshire for a couple of dates early in the week. Um, then was was back here on Friday and and Saturday. I think we had a, a complete washout anyway, but had you know family stuff going on. And then Sunday, I headed out to the uh, the Central New England Prep Champion uh, High School Championships. And uh, I saw four teams there. I saw one of our top 20 uh, draft-ranked players and left-handed pitcher Thomas White of Phillips Academy in Andover. And uh, another pitcher who might potentially be ranked in our top at least, you know, 100 or 200, uh, Maverick Rizzi, who's a big right-hander with Worcester Academy who ended up winning the whole tournament there. Congratulations to Worcester Academy. Um, So I got some, some... amateur ball in which is not something that i do frequently I have done a lot less of this year as i have not done any college stuff but that will change shortly as the cape cod league starts on june 10th so wow. i'll have plenty of baseball to go to on my off days from pro stuff or when hartford and new hampshire and worcester away like they are this week i'll actually have something to go to and i stayed in north carolina because you can stay in north carolina and get 18 different million different teams um lucky you if I so chose, I could go out to the uh, ACC tournament this week and the DBAP. But this is a hot sheet podcast, and since I stayed in North Carolina, I did see a lot of, well, not a lot of, I saw two games of uh, our number one on the hot sheet this week, Mr. Jackson Holiday of the Orioles. And, uh, you know, when the week started, he opened with a five-inning game. Well, it wasn't a scheduled five-inning game. It rained where he fell a single shy of the cycle. And I knew JJ and myself were going out to see him the next day, and I thought, for goodness sakes, he's probably exhausted all of his hits. He's going to go 0 for 4 with a couple punchies the next day, and uh, I'm going to be really annoyed because it's you know three hours round trip. Well, I was wrong. Um, <laughs> he went 5 for 6 that day with 
at last check, it was two doubles and two triples. Um, he missed a homer shy of the cycle. I say at last check because there seems to be some discrepancy in the scoring uh, for that week. One of the doubles was a ball where I think if you had three or four scorekeepers, you would say one would say a single and he advanced on the throw and you the other scorekeepers would say it was a double because he was clearly trying to stretch it uh, from the shoot and looked like he was rounding first before the throw. I think in ballpark it scored as a double. I'm not sure if they changed it or not. Uh, rules around changing scoring decisions this year are kind of uh, weird. But in either case, it was a pretty good day. It was a five-hit day. I went back on Friday, and unfortunately, he did not play. I was looking forward to seeing him against a pitcher named Jonathan Cannon, who has some velocity, which would have been fun to see. Uh, and then I went back on Sunday, and he um, two singles and two walks. So was, I think he was two, four for six or something with uh, – or two for six with four times on base. Uh, in all, he had an excellent week. Um, and I think one, one stat that I noted in hot sheet was he saw, by my count, 93 pitches this past week and swung and missed at nine of them. Um, in only one plate appearances did he swing at multiple, swing and miss at multiple pitches. Uh, that's pretty good. That's a sub 10% uh, whiff rate uh, for those of you who are you know, math unsure like myself. Um you know, he's a, he was a really, really fun prospect. Uh, I wasn't, you know, just as far as the offense goes, it's hard to dislike anything. I wish I had gotten some BP, but both days that I got there, well, the first day we got there, I think probably like seconds after his last round concluded. Uh, and then same idea on Friday uh, and Sunday, they didn't take it, obviously. So I didn't see you know, any raw power. Um in BP or anything like that, but it's, you know, looked like about as pure a hitter as you can find. Um, defensively, he didn't have to do a whole lot on the first day we saw him. Um, I don't think he had a chance until like the seventh or eighth. And even then it wasn't some, you know, way to show off range or an arm or anything. It was like a, a scoop double play. They just had to shovel it to second. And then the next time I saw him, he was playing second base and it was okay. He wasn't a world beater over there. Um, you know, I, that's, that's the biggest question, I guess, if you call it, I have left about him after seeing that Jeff, what do you think about Jackson holiday? I know we're having a little, um, we're going to have an article on the site at some point soon. I know our top 100 right now, Jackson Chorio is listed at number one. Um, we're doing a hypothetical round table, not a hypothetical round table, a round table, uh, with our writers on hypothetically, if you could, I guess, uh, just place someone at number one yourself, just overrule the entire process and put someone number one, who would it be? Um, and there's some of us, I think if you listen to other podcasts on our site, um, I am blanking on the name of Carlos and Ben's podcast. Future Projection, sir. Future Projection. If you are, if you listen to Future Projection, you know those two are on board with Jackson Holiday. Um, there are other good options. I haven't made my pick right now. Um, I think I know where I'm going. But Jeff, uh, what do you think of Jackson Holiday? Yeah, Dylan and I had a had a fairly nuanced conversation about this from a fantasy lens, of course, um, on the podcast that dropped earlier today on the feed, um, and we discussed three candidates: uh, the current number one overall prospect, which is Jackson Churio, and then 
two very worthy uh, other candidates in Jackson Holiday, as we mentioned, and then Ellie De La Cruz. And Dylan falls, at least on the fantasy side of things, on the Ellie De La Cruz camp. I think for fantasy, that makes a lot of sense because he's in AAA, has value to a variety of different leagues. That being said, I do think that he is a very viable candidate for one in a real life list because of that proximity, because I probably have the highest level of confidence in Ellie De La Cruz as a defender between Holiday and Jackson Churio. And that's not to knock either, though I do think there's a chance that Churio could end up in right field and Holiday could end up in, in second. Um, you're shaking your head no. I'm saying it's possible. I'm saying they have, they have some pretty good center field candidates there with the Brewers. I would say left field would be the answer for Jackson because the question about him is he left. You think left over like Frelick, for example? or well, actually because Jackson Chorio's, um, I want to say the one hickey on his card is his arm. Yeah, his arm. He's had arm Depending on why he moved from shortstop to center field. It, but I think in, in Milwaukee, in the home construct of that park, that right field isn't um, such a, a tremendous strain in your arm there. Maybe he could play left in other parks. It's not like it's Fenway Park and he's throwing from oh, okay. you know, 380 against the wall. Um, could be a corner profile. I'll put it that way. Sorry, I spoke out of turn. Did not expect you to to, to knock down my enthusiasm on one Jackson Cheerio, but here we are. It's the year 2023. Um, but what I was saying about Ellie is I think that Ellie – Though he has his his warts or his hickeys, as you like to say, um, which might be the contact and the approach, it has improved in AAA. And he has the most explosive tools of any of them. He has the most power. He is the best runner. He does things in a baseball field that few players on earth, and I always throw this comp out there and it's maybe a, a bit unfair, outside of like a Fernando Tatis Jr. can do that he can impact the game in a variety of ways and could be the most exciting player in Major League Baseball within a year or two. That wouldn't yeah, shock I mean, me. Now there's, there's kind of like Shohei, but yeah. Yeah, of course. But um, I think that's that's different where he's, you know, a complete alien. Uh, and it's it's just not normal for someone to be a great pitcher and a great hitter. Ellie, just from an you know, explosive positional standpoint, is as exciting as, as you're probably going to get. Um, that said, Jackson Holiday has a great case because of just how superb his plate skills are. Tons of contact, and it's not the kind of profile where he just needs to make contact on anything. He's very selective about the pitches that he swings at. He makes excellent swing decisions. That might even be the carrying tool. That's how good it is. And then he's a plus runner. You know, um, there is power there. I think if you look at his body and his build, he projects to get stronger as he ages. He's only 19 years old um, and could add good weight, I think, without slowing down too much. There's a lot of excitement around him as well. Plays shortstop. I don't think you'd be wrong if you had him as the number one prospect. And then you bring in Jackson Churio, who has the power, the underlying skills are better than people realize his contact rate is up tremendously this year he's actually run a really good contact rate in double a we should factor in the fact that he's the youngest player at that level in the southern league which is not an easy place to hit he's actually younger than jackson holiday he's actually younger than jackson holiday and the last point i was going to make is we know that he is playing at a disadvantage because 
not only is he in, in these hitters' parks, not only is he incredibly young uh, for the competition that he's facing, he's facing them ride balls, baby. And that's obviously going to boost up his strikeout rate a little bit. And he's making more contact this year than he did last year with a similar chase rate. He's a bit aggressive on the outside part of the plate, but I don't think that's necessarily such a deterrent because of the type of player he is. As we talked about, there's other skills, supporting skills there as well. Um, do I think that Churio's a slam dunk number one any longer? No. On my personal list, I think I probably would have him three. And I'm kind of leaning Ellie, Jackson Holiday, and then Jackson Churio, knowing that Ellie will probably be up in the major leagues at some point this summer, could graduate, and then we'll end up going into the offseason with Jackson Holiday as the number one. I think, you know, I, 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 I'm leaning one way, but I really am annoyed is the word. I'm a little amazed that we're all forgetting about Yuri Perez here. Like that guy's a special arm. And I, I have been the leader on the Yuri Perez train for a while. And I'll say this at 1131 AM on Tuesday, knowing he is about to start at Coors Field this evening. <laughs> make me very look very silly but those two, first two starts were really impressive um yeah he might be the only prospect eligible player or pitcher i would say that has true ace potential not number one ace as in the metaphor if you extend the metaphor there are four of those in a deck you know uh that's the kind of pitcher this young man could be he's got the age he's got the stuff he's got the makeup I can't believe he cut that beautiful hair of his. That's the only uh, blemish, hickey, wart, <laughs> liver spot on the card right now. Um, <laughs> he's got a fine mentor in Sandy Alcantara. Um, and I, I'm, I mean, he, he deserves to be mentioned with that group. Like, if you told me he had the best major league career of all those dudes we just mentioned, sure. would you be surprised? So I, I feel like we the parameters we set for the article were not just position player, um, but we're all kind of forgetting Yuri Perez. And much like Dre, you should not forget about Yuri. Um, he's really good. His, his, his other problem is he's not named Jackson. So that's just a problem in 2023 prospecting world. Um, yeah, he's, he's really interesting to Ellie De La Cruz, man. The ceiling on that guy, I keep trying to put together what he could be. And all I think is like, okay, take someone with Giancarlo Stanton's power, put him at shortstop, make him a switch hitter, give him an 80 arm and 80 speed. What is that? That's, you know, if that if that's the ceiling, that's just an abominably good player. <laughs> that's And for fantasy purposes... I mean, defense is whatever uh, because it's it's just a matter of positional eligibility. I don't really care if you stink at it or not, unless you play in a league where you count errors. But you're going to have power, and you're going to have speed, and you're going to have some sort, sort of hitability. I doubt he's going to hit like 330 or anything. If you told me that which guy's going to hit for the best average of the guys we talked about, it's Jackson Holiday because his – you mentioned his plate discipline. You know, JJ and I got to watch it for one, two games. The way he takes pitches – is silly you know I, I saw it earlier this year with roman anthony who i know that the line is not great um but it seems like he can some people say you can recognize spin really well i feel like he sees the first revolution of the baseball and processes it immediately like curveball slider in out up down whatever 
Uh, Edouard Julien with the uh, the twins, I'm sure I butchered that name, is probably the same way. You can see the synapses, almost see the synapses firing in his brain when he's trying to figure out which pitch to take. That's the same thing I saw with Jackson Holiday. That was really special. Um, and then the bat-to-ball skills. The, the, the second day I saw him, he was facing a left-hander. And I thought, okay, this guy doesn't throw particularly hard, but uh, I'm going to see how he hangs in against lefties. No issue. Uh, first at bat, went the opposite way for a single. Uh, I think the third at bat, plate appearance, sorry, uh, went the opposite way for another single or up the middle. Like He didn't try to pull everything, which is really impressive. Yeah. Uh, and he took his walks. He showed pull up the middle and opposite in that game or in that series. There's, there's a whole lot to like about Jackson Holiday. I think the Orioles may have nailed it again at number one overall. The yeah, game. I think you're right. It's going to be uh, unbelievable to see them potentially have three consecutive years of having the number one prospect in baseball and having it be three completely different players. Um, just Yeah, un- I'd be surprised if like Churio graduated. Ellie, I think if he doesn't graduate, something's very wrong. Um, like, like I was thinking in my head the other day of like a quarter pole of a good quarter pole, like power ranking, who's the minor league player of the year. And like, if I did it, I'd get a lot of outcry that Ellie wouldn't be on there. Cause like, and the, that, the reason he wouldn't be on there is I don't expect him to be <laughs> in the minor leagues long enough to be our minor league player of the year. Sure. Yeah. So it's like, I, I would expect that hate mail, hate tweets. Like you forgetting about Ellie. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually praising Ellie. Cause I don't think he's going to, he's going to matter for this list. <laughs> that award yeah and i think that that's i think that's an accurate take you know i definitely i'm gonna surprise you sure Um, this is your fault because you made me the host um while i'm kicking around that idea who would your leader be uh for minor league player of the year come end of the year would it be jackson holiday that is you're saying at this point in the season yeah yeah. i I wouldn't i don't think either of us expected it holiday enough time i think it would be jackson holiday I think it's the performance, uh, what he's done, living up to expert expectations and surpassing them. Um, he's hit across two levels now. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, great. He's been the last line. There's not. I mean, he's he's very close to hitting 400 for the season. So, yeah. you know. Um, I think that would be an accurate take because, like I said, I don't. I, if he graduates from prospect status by the end of this year, I would be very surprised. Um, but one thing I, one other name I do want to throw out there, and I've been kind of pimping him a little bit on Twitter and in our Slack, is Jonathan Classe of the Mariners. Like mm-hmm. it's May twenty third, and I'll update the time again, eleven thirty seven a.m. now, and he's got eleven home runs and twenty eight stolen bases already in thirty two chances. Like that's kind sure. of crazy. That's power, speed, right there. That's all you want, and he's already moved to Double A as a he turns turns 21 today. So, you know, as a 21 year old, he's already in Double A. Uh, in the fortunately for him, he's in the Texas League and not the Southern League, so he's not going to have to deal with the the tack ball. I'm just looking here, um, you know, bumpering for a second as I get to my tweet from last night. So I worked this up on Fangraphs. I've mentioned 11 home runs and 28 stolen bases. There are 25 players in the minor leagues who did that all of last year. Class A was one. 
But there's some pretty good names on that list. Uh, Pete Crow Armstrong did it. Corbin Carroll did it. Ellie De La Cruz did it. Jordan Lawler did it. Evan Carter did it. Uh, Luis Angel Acuna, Jason Dominguez, Carson Williams, Anthony Volpe. There's a lot of good names who put up those numbers, and those were over the course of a season. Class A has already reached those benchmarks this year. Um, he's not on our top 100 or anything like that, but he's certainly a guy I think you need to keep an eye out for. And if those trends continue, I feel like he's probably going to get another home runner stolen base between now and the end of the season. You could be looking at a 2040, 2050 season, you know, and if he hits for some, some good slash line numbers, that might be a, a sleeper minor league player of the year candidate. What do you yeah. Think? Yeah, no, I, uh, I can't argue on anything you said. I think you, you hit the nail on the head there um, that he's definitely a, a viable option uh, as well. Um, so right now we have discussed one player on the hot sheet and gone off several <laughs> tangents, but what we will do now is take a commercial break. You ready, Jeff? Let's, let's do it. Here we go. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search match with indeed. If you need to hire, you need indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. That's why I use Indeed for our hiring at Baseball America. It allows me to do everything on one website. I get quality candidates. I can schedule them. I can interview them. I can screen them. I can send messages to them all within Indeed. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back. So we've just we've discussed one player on the hot sheet. Now we'll discuss two, and I'm going to give the floor to Jeff because he is the pitcher whisperer. I don't know what <laughs> whispers to them, but uh, Gavin Williams had a pretty good week. Punched out 15, uh, walked three, and I believe if I had it correct, 20 strikeouts in 76 pitches, or 20 strikeouts, 20 swings and misses in 76 pitches uh, in his last outing, um, which is pretty darn yeah. good. That was true. You wrote that on the hot sheet. Well, just because I wrote doesn't make it true. Uh, if, if it's on the internet, it's not always true. But um, Really? I think Gavin Williams, G off. Yeah, so, you know, I think at this point, we know Williams. He's one of the top pitching prospects in the game. <laughs> Seems to be the only one in the upper minors that hasn't already been called up to the major leagues this season. And part of that is the depth of the Guardian system. I think that in other organizations... If he's with the Red Sox, he might be their number two starter behind Chris Sale right now. 
not even not even a question for me um so you know that's that's probably the one thing you can say is he's probably going to be in the minors i think for a little bit longer though i've had times this season i've said that the guy's been called up within 24 hours so here's me trying to put the uh the good juju in motion here for gavin williams but things that i love about williams uh it's a really deep uh, pitch mix primarily of excellent four seam fastball that's been clocked as high as 99.4 this season but sits 96 miles per hour that's his average velocity um you know with good hop and heavy bore so that means that it gets uh, a high amount of you know vertical break induced vertical break with over 10 inches of horizontal break that's a heavy bore uh, it's a low release height despite you know how tall he is i think he's six foot six six foot five um, but he gets a flat vertical approach angle on the uh, the pitch. It's been really good um, so, so thus far this season. He mixes that with a a hard slider that sits, you know, 85 to 86. Uh, we'll touch 88, 89. A little bit tighter shape. You know, it's not sweepy. It's more of what we would call a gyro slider. So it sort of spins like a bullet. But he throws it hard and he lands it and plays it well off of the four-seam fastball. Then he mixes in. Uh, more of a traditional curveball in the mid 70s. So it's almost like a, it's actually a 20, 21 mile per hour separation off of his four seam fastball, but it's got a ton of depth. So there's like a, a four, just about 40 inches of induced vertical break separation between the two. He's getting about 18 average uh, in terms of ride in his four seam and gets about 18 average uh, negative uh, induced vertical break on his curveball. So can kind of play the vertical game there. He'll mix in a sinker as well, uh, and will every so often throw a changeup and a cutter. Uh, but he's got a bunch of different pitch shapes that he can mix in. He can play the vertical game. He can go, you know, east-west on you if he needs to. Um, it's a really interesting pitch mix, and I'd say potentially one of my favorite pitchers in the minor leagues. So seeing him continue to shove and have this sort of success in AAA is really not a shock to me at all. Um, it really shouldn't be to anybody who's paying attention. Well, you just sold him short of what you did. You said did. his last ball topped out at 99.4. His last start, he touched 99.7, sir. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Well, there you go. I, don't, and if you I wasn't looking at the fresh updated data. I'm wrong, sir. If you're using TrackMan or Hawkeye, that one of those services will tell you he touched 100. The other will round down, I believe. Um, in any case, yeah, he's the... Um, as I said, I think in the hot sheet reps, I think I did it. If you're tr trying to pick a pitcher, you can't really go wrong with the Guardians or the Dodgers at this point. They are both fantastic pitching development. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gavin Williams, Tanner Bybee, uh, Parker Messick. I'm sure I'm missing some other guys who are really good uh, in the big league. Shane Bieber. Um They've had a really good track record of figuring out arms in the past few years. Um, and, you know, the Dodgers speak for themselves. Uh, we'll move down the hot sheet list here. Let's talk about uh, Jefferson Cuero. It is the, um, he is a Brewers catcher who last year was <laughs> amazingly one of the older players on the Carolina Mudcats roster at a ripe I think he was 19 last year. He's 20 now uh, years old, but he was on a team full of 18-year-olds. Um, and this year, he is in the Southern League, 
and we've mentioned the tack ball. And he's hitting. I think he's hitting like 280. And this week he went what some might call bananas. He entered the year or the series with three home runs and left it with eight. Jeff, if he entered the series with three home runs and left it with eight, how many home runs did he hit? I think that means that he hit four home runs, sir. Five. Five home runs. Five home runs. How did I put that on a tee for you and you knocked it right into the into the pond? Um, it's yeah, five. Yeah, I, I did. I was I had five in my head and then said four and went, whoa, why did I say that? <laughs> yeah, I'm a numbers guy. I'm sorry. That's too hilarious. Anyway, oh. five is the correct answer. He had it three in one game and two in the other. Uh, so he has eight home runs on the year. And we mentioned with the tack ball, you know, that's that's pretty impressive. Um, he and Noel V. Marte, also on the hot sheet, had a fun time in, in Chattanooga. There was a lot of looking out if you were over the fence uh, at that ballpark. Yep. But the offense is really nice, too. But he's also a really gifted defensive catcher, especially when it comes to throwing. He's at 39% caught stealing for the year, and his arm is among the best in the minors, if not the best in the minors. And you know, 39% is pretty darn good, especially when you consider we've made the rules changes this year to kind of allow base runners more liberty and to introduce stolen bases more to the game. So I think as you keep going, um, you know, as time wears on, catching arm is going to be more valued than it is. I think right now we we weigh heavily on framing and receiving and present presentation and all that stuff. And I think once we get to in, in the especially in the big leagues with either robo umps or I think the, the most likely alter uh, answer is the challenge system, it's not gonna matter as much because you're not going to be able to steal strikes as much. And we're gonna go back to can you block, can you receive, can you throw? And Jefferson Cuero is a slam dunk catcher. And if you have a slam dunk catcher with any semblance of offense, which he seems to have, um, you know, two years ago at this time, he was a very hot name um, as a guy who was going to, I think I made him one of my breakout guys or something like that. I guess I was a year early um, on him. And, you know, he's just a very talented prospect in a, in a system that's full of very talented players, specifically very talented Venezuelan players, um, as we will talk about in a little bit here. Uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff, Jeff, what do you think of your fellow Jeff? Are, are you Jefferson Ponce? No, I'm Jeffrey with a G. Our names aren't even spelt the same. Uh, so there you go, Josh. I'm Josh with a G. I'm G G uh, G Josh. Um, you know, I saw him in I saw him in fall league. That's the only looks that I've gotten on Quero. He's an excellent defender. The fact that the offense is starting to bubble up and show uh, is important. Um, but, you know, I don't really, uh, I don't really know. You know, I haven't seen him yet this season. I struggle to value catchers. Generally, it seems that his receiving and throwing, et cetera, is excellent, um, which is going to mean that he's going to get full-time run as a catcher. If the offense starts to catch up with that and he's even an average bat at the major league level, that is a star and a guy that's going to produce, you know, pretty great war over the course of his career. So um, I don't want to go too strong in the takes here. I think he's really impressive. 
probably has a better chance to stick behind the plate than the other Cuero, um, but maybe isn't necessarily his equal offensively, but I don't even know about that anymore. The power's showing up, and that's a really good sign. And, you know, I would say to me, power might be the most important tool amongst a position player other than having a position. So, uh, yeah. You have a position. As long as you can hack it. Right. Power, power makes you some money, man. Um, those are those are the the some of the big guys on our hot sheet this week. But since we're talking about, actually, you know what? I want you, Jeff, to talk about Colt Keith because I believe it was either this week or last week he had a six for six game with the cycle. Um, mm-hmm. He's a seems like a pretty darn good player in a, a system that that needs pretty darn good players. <laughs> it needs pretty good darn uh, position players as well, right? Um, you know, that's definitely a big part of it. Uh, and I think the thing that's funny is we're at a time where people are overreacting and are very reactionary to smaller sample size on prospects. I think because the level of coverage is so high in comparison to what it was years ago that it's starting to get into like what we saw in the major leagues for many years where you know, a guy can struggle for a month or for a few weeks and people really start to panic. And Keith struggled for the first few weeks of the season, turned around late in April. I think the line overall over 20 games in April was 286, 358, 464, got it in front of me. And then May, in those 16 games this month, he's really turned it on. 339, 405, 723. He's got six home runs. He's got nine on the season now. And as you said, he's had some, as I like to call him when I'm writing the hot sheet, some high water games. Um, and, you know, that's that's really showed out uh, so far. So he had a, he had a, actually he had, a, he had a six for six game on Tuesday of last week, if I'm not mistaken. So that was actually, it was actually this week. Um, to start the week off, went six for six, three runs, you know, had a double the triple, the home, two home runs as part of a cycle. Um, that's a fancy one, a uh, a double tater and cycle sandwich or a combo meal. I don't know if that's what we want to call it. I guess the big question with him is like, where is he going to play long-term? Is he a third baseman? Is he a second baseman? Does he end up somewhere like left field? Does he end up at first base? But going back to last season prior to him getting hurt, he has a combination of contact approach and power that is very rare. And when guys check all those boxes, they definitely fall into my personal cheese ball category. Colt Keith is definitely one of my cheese balls. And I think he probably eats some cheese balls with me. And I, I appreciate that in my prospects as well. Well, as anybody who listens to these BA podcasts or knows me or knows my reputation, I hate cheese. It is vile and I don't like it. I don't like looking at it. I don't like being around it. I don't understand. It's it's a uh, it's a lure. It is nasty garbage. No, there, there is my hot take for the day. However, I do respect how quickly you've adjusted to be a uh, nomenclature slang. Uh, I try dialect, um, and use personal cheese ball and not you know favorite prospect or whatever. Um, kudos to you, Jeff. I, I think that's a uh, that's that's admirable. But we will move down the list here, and we will go to 
the helium guy who is um who is Luis Lara of the Brewers. We're going to go from one brewer in, in um, Jefferson Cuero to the next. We're and at the brewery. <laughs> the tap house. They're, both, they're all very good at their craft. Um, there's Ooh. no drought in, in, in their – I think it's a draft. Um, they're not domestic either. These are imports. Damn. You are good. <laughs> and you are drunk with power. <laughs> nice. Oh, uh, God. Everyone just turned off. Um, <laughs> I wish they had Hudson Head, um, but they don't. Um, anyway, Luis Lara is a guy I'm gonna, I've seen a, a few times before. I'm going to see him again tonight um, uh, and probably a few more times this week out at Zebulon. Um, he is another really interesting Venezuelan center fielder for the Milwaukee Brewers. The other one you can find at the top of our top 100. And he also was on the Jackson Chorio plan this year. And then he did a little bit of extended and then zip, moving on up to Zebulon first week of May. See you later, ACL. I don't need your 150 million degree temperatures in the middle of the summer. Uh, and he has done quite well. I think he's hitting like 290 right now. Sweet. Uh, he's got a lot of twitch in center field. He made sweet d- double plays when I watched him. A little bit of power in there. Just a fun player to watch. I like to call him a little, little ball of twitch. Jeff, I don't, I don't know if you've, you certainly haven't seen Luis Lara, but uh, you felt strongly enough about him to put him in hot sheet or helium this week. What do you think about him? Why yeah, you, you know, I uh, I saw the swing on the home run. Um, I've seen some tape. I've watched some games. I have not had the opportunity to see him live. I really love the swing. I love the underlying skill set. Uh, excellent contact, bats of ball skills, approach. He's walking, I think, more than twice as much as he's striking out as an 18 year old in full season ball. Um, and you know, we've seen, we've seen this before. We've seen the brewers and their process separate the wheat from the chaff or the barley from the chaff, depending upon how you're making these beer concoctions. Uh, but he's really interesting, man. Like he got the Jackson Churio treatment and he's a very, it's almost like opposite skills from Churio. Um, but this is another guy that I, I think is a viable top 100 prospect, especially if you're looking at future projection. How do these guys look long term? I think when you look at these skills, you look at the organization, you look at their track record. He's somebody that I'm I'm going all in on. And uh, personally, I think he would be like at the back end, even if we had him like 99, 100 of my top 100 list, uh, my personal top 100 list, which is not I do not speak for the site. You know, I know I've, um, I've nominated him in some of our slack. Uh, let's call them discussions. Uh, Fights over over top hundreds. I, I I took a video of two squirrels fighting outside my my house yesterday, and I thought, oh, that's that's our top one hundred process, but just in nature. It's a <laughs> it's a, it's an Emmett Sheehan conversation among squirrels. Yes, yes, I think that's what they were talking about out there. Um, but yeah, Luis Lara is really fun and. Uh, you know, that transitions us into what are you doing this week? And Jeff, I think I'll start with you because it's a quicker answer for you. <laughs> I'm doing nothing. Well, you're not doing I'm gonna, nothing. You're working on I'm going to be home, talking to, talking to scouts, working on my updates on my uh, my top 30 lists. I got nine that I'm in charge of or eight or something like that. <laughs> How did you get that many? I have six. Yeah, and... Uh, 
Maybe it's not. I think it might be. I'm crazy. I like to do this stuff. And I'm I'm working on some NCAA draft stuff with some data that we have and going from there. And, you know, we're going to build up some things. Uh, I'm done with my podcast run for this week because we've done the fantasy podcast, the hot sheet podcast. And then the 90th percentile came out. So we had a great conversation about velocity. We'll have part two that we'll probably record on Friday uh, with Mr. Mr. Matt Pajak and myself. Um, so it's going to be hanging around, man. Watching some games on TV all day, which is fine. Uh, I don't have any games that are even remotely close. The closest one is Portland against New Hampshire. And I've seen Portland and New Hampshire. I've seen New Hampshire three times now. I've seen Portland twice. I do not need to drive 250 miles round trip to go see New Hampshire and Portland. So not going to be doing that. Uh, I'll be back at the park next week. Um, So this will be my first week, I think, since... The third week of February that I haven't been out at the yard, Josh. But I well, guess you can count Sunday. I will be, um, like I mentioned, going to Zebulon tonight. Down East is in there. And uh, it is better to see Down East in Zebulon than it is to drive to uh, Kinston. That's, you know, uh, maybe, maybe an hour 10 round trip instead of three hours round trip. Um, and I will be seeing them against... Like I said, Luis Lara is going to be there. Anthony Gutierrez is going to be there. Glader Figueroa, uh, Jason Morabelt, Daniel Cueva. Um, on the other side, you got Gregory Barrios. You got Daniel Guillarte. One of my cheese ball pitchers for this year is going tonight, Will Rudy. Um, he came up a little later in the year. He's a, a converted shortstop out of, I want to say, Cal Poly. I can just look this up because we have the magic of the internet here. And uh, he's been very interesting this first couple starts. He's 2-0 with a 1-2-6 ERA. And it's kind of a nice little mix of uh, east-west game, sinker, slider. Um, gets a lot of ground balls. Let's see. Yeah, 1.5 ground out to air out. I thought I was, he caught my eye his last time out. Um, and then uh, he's really interesting on that staff. I'm a fan of pa- Patricio Aquino on that staff. And then there's the big boy, Jacob Miziorowski, who's really fun. Uh, the answer is uh, he was at Cal Poly Pomona. So I'm excited to see him tonight versus a very, very young down east lineup. Uh, and then I want to say Friday, if their, their, their rotation stays on turn, I'm going to see uh, Jackson Ferris from Myrtle Beach, who has, uh, is some helium uh, in the Cubs system. And let's see, there's what? Oh, oh, oh. And at least probably two days, I'm going to see uh, Greensboro, which has Bowling Green in town, which means I get to see Junior Camp Monero. Um, and I will see him tomorrow versus um, Anthony Solomedo, which would be a nice challenge, a funky left-hander with some stuff. And if I go tomorrow, the day after, I will see him against Bubba Chandler, right-hander with some stuff. Some two nice challenges at a very hitter-friendly park for Junior Caminero, who's one of the, been one of the bigger helium-filled balloons this year in the minor leagues. Um, another another example, if you are trading with the Rays and you are going to trade them a young position player, just don't do it. You know, it's a bad move. They, they're pretty good at identifying these guys. So that's my week. And then also, like I mentioned, I've got six uh, top 30s, making some calls on those. I did some of those last week. Reach out and make some more calls. See who's moving up. There's been some helium guys in a lot of my systems. Um, you know, if you're a Yankees fan, look out for Chase Hampton. He's been really good this year. He's one of their best arms. If you're a Giants, yeah. 
Wade Meckler, uh, the Oregon State great, who, uh, amazing story. Freshman year of his high school, of, of high school for him, that young man was 4'11 and 70 pounds. Freshman year of high school. That's, you know, that's throw me a telethon level numbers. Uh, <laughs> and now he is a professional ball player who is hitting, I believe, 430 right now and has moved from high A to double A. And Jeff, you're the, you're the numbers guy. Is a 430 average good? I think it is, coach. Okay. All right. Uh, assistant coach. He, that, that's pretty good. I'm really excited to see. You know, he's, he's a double A. I'm a little upset that I missed him in my trip to Eugene. I, you know, I think I saw Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. He got activated Friday. It happens. Um, but they're at Richmond, so I can, you know, if I really am so inclined, I can go up to uh, the Diamond and Funville, USA, and see them there. You know, maybe in, later in the year, I'll match him up with uh, a guy we mentioned earlier in the podcast, Jackson Holiday, who might be in Bowie at some point in the near future. So that would be a, a fun reason to go up there. They've got some arms up there too. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my week. And we've talked about Jeff's week. So I think we're just about done here on this. I think this is our longest hot sheet podcast. Yet. 43 I minutes, maybe. We, we took it. We took it deep on this one. Some deep conversations. It's a deep conversations that I think, and I think we talked about the fewest players on the hot sheet yet, but we, t- <laughs> we, we, we trailed off into, you know, uh, number one prospect in baseball territory, helium guys, all sorts of fun stuff. So for Jeff in Massachusetts, all you uh, celebrity hounds, and I am Josh in North Carolina. I'm Josh in North Carolina. We're going to keep that in. Thanks for listening. Bye. Jackson Holiday, number one, number one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.